Genesis 22, let me begin reading in the first verse. The scripture talks about in this chapter of the testing of Abraham and about how that God told him to take his son Isaac and offer him up as a sacrifice. And this is all about covenant and this is all about God's covenant partner Abraham being willing to offer his son to him which gave God a legal right to give his only son, begotten son at that time and greatly beloved son to us. Tremendous things here. God had a right to do it because his covenant man had already done it for him. Legally. And uh, if you read down through there, verse, as soon as God told Abraham that, verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and he took two of his uh, young men's servants with him and Isaac his son. And they took the wood that they had chopped for burnt offering, rose up and went to the place that God had told them. You know, one thing about Abraham, when God told him, you know, talk to him about tithing or about circumcising his house or about different things or about this, I mean Abraham did it. He didn't play with it. He didn't kick it around for a week or two. He didn't ask 40 people if they thought it'd be okay. I mean, even something as serious as this, the next morning, he loads stuff up and goes. You can see why God chose Abraham, can't you? Because he's a man. And he said that about him. He said, I know Abraham. He will teach. He will lead his house. He will teach his children. He will do what I told him to do. He goes on to say, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. He saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, you stay here with the donkey and I and, and the boy will go there and worship and come again to you. This is faith talking. He said, we're going up and we're coming back. You might say, well, he wasn't really counting on offering him up. Yes, he was. But if you read the 11th chapter of Hebrews, it tells us that he had accounted that if it was necessary, God would raise him from the dead. So see, he was believing for resurrection. Can you see how typical this is of, the, of God the Father giving his son Jesus and believing for resurrection and having resurrection? Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and the knife and they went both of them together. So it's just these two now. And Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and he said, my father, he said, here am I my son. He said, behold, here's the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? For a burnt offering. He's wondering about this. <laughs> We've never done it like this before. <laughs> He's seen a lot of offerings in his few years. And we got the wood and we got the fire. They carried some coals or some fire with them in a little fire thing, I guess. And, and everything's here. But where is the kid of the goats or where is the lamb of the sheep? Where's the sacrifice? And what did he say? Verse 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went both of them together. This is a great statement, and this is a statement of faith, and this is something that should come out of, uh, off of your lips often. 
When you're in a situation, and you, I'm sure you have been, and you probably will be again, where that here everything is set up, here's the this, and here's the that, but where's the money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh? The need is here, and the date is set, and the contracts are there, huh? and everything is ready, and where's the rest of it, where, where's the, you know, what we need, it, may, it might be workers, it might be people, it might be equipment, it might be, so many times it's just cash, money. Where's it at? Do you know what to say? What do you say? God will provide. That's faith. I said that's faith. Don't just say God is able. That's true, and that's good, but don't stop there. You're not taking any responsibility for faith if you just say God's able and, and, and kind of leave the impression if he wants to. No, he requires something of you. You got to say, not God just can, but what? God will provide for me. I want you to say it again. God will provide for me. Say it two more times. God will provide for me. Again. God will provide for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now. Faith works the same in every area, whether it's being born again, being filled with the Spirit, being healed, having your needs met, being led, being protected. The principle of faith works the same in every area, but it has to be developed in each individual area. Just because you have faith for healing doesn't mean you have faith for protection or faith for prosperity. You can be strong in one area and totally undeveloped in another area. Hmm? I know I, I've had the privilege of working with uh, Brother Hagen in his ministry and in the healing school there at Kenneth Hagen Ministries. I worked there for some 13 years daily. We had sessions in the morning and in the evening, sometimes in the afternoon, usually in the afternoon, but then sometimes in the evening. I mean, for 13 years, I spoke on the subject and ministered. And I mean, year after year, year after year, and I enjoyed robust health and still do. I mean, you know, just tremendous health. You just go year after year with no problems at all. And it dawned on me, faith comes by hearing. And see, I'm just, I'm just being immersed in healing. I was hearing him teach it in the school, and he was teaching it, and I was teaching it. And then I'd go out on the weekends and, and have healing rallies. It was healing in the morning, healing at noontime, healing when the sun went down, healing, 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 healing. And I was healed and healthy and just enjoy, and my faith level. I mean, you, you know, after all this, you couldn't come to me with a baseball bat and beat healing out of me. I mean, it's as much a part of me as the nose on my face. Amen. Amen. You know, nobody can tell me that it's not God's will to heal me. 
They come too late. It's like coming to a man in the pool and telling him there's no water in the pool. And he's wet doing the backstroke. <laughs> Ain't no water in that pool. <laughs> you come too late to tell me I'm wet. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And then it dawned on me. When I began to see this, I thought, ding, buddy, you ought to teach on prosperity. Because I wasn't doing so good in the area of prosperity. (laughs) So I did. I began to meditate on that and think about that. And the Lord uh, began to lead me to teach on it as well. And then we began to grow. But you know, I don't care how strong you were in an area 10 years ago. If you just cut that off and quit talking about it and quit thinking about it and quit feeding on it, quit listening to it, you begin to get weak and weaker and weaker. So you need to be fed. Amen. Amen. And so that's why the Lord directs your pastors to teach you on different subjects and the same ones throughout the year. Amen. You might say, well, he's taught on that every year. Well, he's probably going to teach on it again, too, next year. Amen. Why? Because he don't want you to get weak and anemic. Amen. And that's why they'll have different ministers, guest ministers, to come in and speak on certain things to feed your faith. Amen. Keep you healthy in every area. Well-rounded, well-developed. Amen. So that you're not deficient and you're not weak. Well, I have it on my heart to stir you up this morning, amen, and to feed you, feed your faith in the area of God being your provider. Do you like that okay? God is your provider. Oh, I like it. Don't you like it? I get blessed just saying it. God is my provider. Hallelujah. Not just a provider. My provider. You know, there are people that believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They believe he's real. They believe he was born. They believe he died on the cross. They even believe he's raised from the dead and are lost. Why? Because they've never received him as their Savior and committed their life and confessed him as their Lord. It's got to be a personal thing. Do you understand? And uh, you, if you, even though you believe he's my Savior, you must receive him as my healer. Amen? My healer. He's my guide. He leads me. And he's my provider. My provider. You can't speak for everybody else. You know, you know, they have to decide what they're going to believe. And they may or may not accept it. But as for me and my house, God provides for us. We are well provided for. Hallelujah. What did he say? Well, Father, here's the fire. Here's the wood. Here's everything ready. But where's the offering? He said, son, God will provide. And the boy didn't say anything else. Hmm? He's been around daddy for a few years now, and he knows if daddy says God will provide, he's seen it before. Amen? And he'll see it again. Let's keep reading. He goes on to say, they came to the place that God had told him about. They built the altar. They put the wood on there. He tied Isaac up and laid him on the altar upon the wood. 
Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife. He lifted it up. He fully intended to plunge it in him. The angel of the Lord called out from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here, here am I. He said, don't lay your hand on the lad. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You know, the, uh, a lot of people can talk and do a lot of things, but when it, it comes down to action, what will you go through with? How far will you go? What will you do? Then the Lord knows. Amen. He sees your heart demonstrated through your words and through your deeds. Abraham lifted up his eyes. He looked and behold, behind him a ram was caught in a thicket by his horns. Did God provide? (laughs) There he was. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, one thing that was seen is that the Lord provided. Amen. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham out of heaven the second time. He said, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you, in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand upon the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say Jehovah Jireh. Now this is one of these compound Jehovah names that God has revealed himself through. Jehovah, or actually that's pronounced as a Y, Jehovah. Uh, and there's different pronunciation. Don't, don't argue with anybody about pronunciation of some of these words because scholars that spend their life studying these things disagree. And this word in particular has vowels added to it to make it pronounceable. So, you know, don't, don't be concerned. Kind of like Smith Wigglesworth one time, he wrote a letter to a young minister under him. And this young minister had some education. And later on he's talking to him, did you get my letter? He said, yeah. He said, uh, Brother Wigglesworth, did you know that you, you spelled Holy Spirit, I forget what he said, seven or eight different ways in your letter. He didn't have a lot of education. None. He said, well, did you understand what I said? He said, yeah. He said, that's all. <laughs> you know, we live in a technical world. And you got to watch. You don't try to get technical with God because you ain't qualified to get technical with God. And it's a good thing he ain't technical with you. <laughs> You know, sometimes you hear teaching and preaching to the effect that, you know, it it makes faith and principles almost technical. But I'm telling you, God's not that way with you. If he was, oh, we'd be in a mess. There's been numerous times I was making confessions, believing for a thing, and actually saying it wrong. 
and saying it wrong for a wrong thing, and, and then the right thing happened. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. That's, that's what I was talking about. And he knew my heart, amen, and he knew that I, that's all I knew. So, you know, I've had, you know, sometimes in Bible school, students sit there and they, and they look, oh, that wasn't John 3, 6, that was John 6, 3. And while you're kicking that around, you missed three phrases that were said. Hmm? And this is Yehovah Yireh instead of Jehovah Jireh, the way some scholars pronounce it. Of course, that messes the song up. Anyway, Jehovah, Jehovah, is, has to do with the self-existent one, the great I am, hallelujah, who exists not based on anybody else. How many understand there's nobody that that's God is dependent upon? He is self-existent and self-sustaining. You are not. <laughs> He's the vine, we're the branches. We're dependent on him. And then these other compound names reveal to us the, the self-existent one who does this or that. And Jehovah Jireh or Yireh means the one who sees. The one who sees. Might say, well, I thought it, it means the one who provides. It does, but just bear with me a minute and you'll see why. If you have a you know, marginal note in your Bible on that name, it probably says something about seeing. And if you look up the words in the dictionaries, you'll find that it means the one who sees. Now, we need to back up just a minute. We, we talk about God being our provider. And we talk about provision. And we talk about providence. The providence of God. How many understand what pro means? It's a comp- provision. It's a compound word, pro and vision. What does pro mean? Before. Before. What does vision mean? Seeing. So what does it literally mean? Before seeing. Or seeing before. Did God see before? That they were going to need a ram. Huh? Hallelujah. He's the God who sees ahead. And knows what's going to come up. And knows what you're going to need. And sets it in motion. To meet you at that intersection. He's your provider. Hallelujah. I've wondered when Abraham got up early that morning, his heart might have been troubled, his soul is just like anybody else's soul, and his mind was dealing with thoughts, but he had it settled in his heart. He knows he's heard from God. He's committed to God. He's in covenant. He's going to obey him. He starts that way. Where was that ram? At five o'clock that morning. Where was that ram? Did God know 
that they're going to need a ram? God was dealing with the ram early that morning. He didn't know it, but he just had an impulse to head north. So he did. And then he just felt like going left. (laughs) Rams don't sit around and reason things too much. And then he just felt like he ought to hang a sharp right. So he did. And climbed this mountain. So he's just climbing up there, climbing up there, munching on this, munching on that. Then he just saw this clump of bushes over here. And he just felt like he had to go stick his nose in there. (laughs) And root around with his horns and mess around in there until he gets all tangled up and hung up. And is right where he's supposed to be when they turn around and God says, there's your sacrifice. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to understand that there will never be a need in your life that takes God by surprise. Never. The way some folk pray, they run in there and fall on their knees and go, oh God, I just got a bill in the mail. I just found out I'm going to need $3,000 by the end of the week. I just found out I'm going to need 50000 by the end of the day. I just found out. Yeah, but he didn't just find out. Some people must think in their mind that God goes, huh? <laughs> Say what? 50,000? Give me just a minute. Gabriel, Michael, come here. What, what's up with this? I, I never heard about this till now. They... Are you kidding? God knew before you were ever born some things were going to come up. You might say, yeah, but some of it's because I've messed myself up. He knew that too. You might say, well, yeah, but you know, when you make your bed hard, you just got to lay in it. Where's that scripture at? Where's that at? You know, I tell my staff a lot of times, and anytime I hear, you know, people that's around me close and they say something, and you know, people say things like they're truths all the time. And I'll ask them, I'll say, you know, that ain't no scripture. I had a person look at me one time, we were talking about some things, and they said, well, yeah, but the song says. (laughs) That's what they said. But the song says. How many of when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil was tempting, he didn't look at him and say, it's in the hymnal. <laughs> the songbook says. And it's the same thing with what your grandma said. Are you grandpa? Are you mom? Are you dad? Are you a brother or your sister or some pastor that you heard or some traveling evangelist 12 years ago? You understand what I'm saying? That's why God gave us a Bible. And that's why God gave us the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to check. I don't care if it's something I say today. 
you check it out. Amen. If it's not in the word or in line with the word, then you don't accept it as something to live on. Well, you make your bed hard, you just got to lay in it. Said who? I can take you to several scriptures that talk about the mercy of God. Amen. That even though people have sinned and missed the mark and come far short of the glory of God, God still bless them. Forgive them. Cleanse them. Amen. How many know Peter stand out there by the fire in the cold and curse and deny that he even knew the Lord? That wasn't the end. He went and cried. He repented. He got past it on the day of Pentecost. Stood up and preached like a house of fire. And God used the man. Made him a pillar and a rock in the church. You might say, yeah, but I've blown it. I've messed up. That's why Jesus had to come. Because all of us have blown it and messed up. But see, the devil will come tell you, you know, because you've messed up on this, you know, you, you're just going to have to drag through this the best way you can and just hope that some way, somehow, you survive. I know years ago, Phyllis and I had never had any money. And uh, we began to tithe and give and believe God and sow, and he began to bless us. I was working in the healing school, and she had a secular job, but God was bringing just gifts and offerings to us and blessing her job a bunch and big bonuses and stuff. I mean, just amazing. And, uh, you know, we'd never had any money before. So, you know, here this money comes. What do you think you should do? Spend it. (laughs) So, you know, we didn't, we didn't take care of our taxes like we should have and didn't do some things like we should have. And I mean, over the course of a couple of years, we got in trouble. Now, I don't have to tell you all this. You know this, don't you? But there's some people in here need to hear this. And we wound up behind on taxes 13000 which for us at that time was, whoo, a bunch of money. And we didn't have any extra, and we were just making it basically month to month. Well, what do you do? Well, you should have been smarter than that, for one thing. That's just dumb. Let me tell you the first thing you do. First thing you do is fall on your face and admit that you've been dumb. Huh? The psalmist said fools because of their iniquity are afflicted. That's right. And sometimes you just have to fall on your face and go, Lord, I've been a fool. I've been ignorant. I mean, you told me not to sign that line for those 800 easy payments. You tried to deal with me. Now wasn't the time. But no, I had to have it. I had to bring it home. And so you let me. And he will let you do all kind of stuff that's not his perfect will for you. You, Did you know you can even press him enough in prayer that he'll say, do what you want to do. And I said, oh, I don't believe that. Have you ever read the Bible? Israel pressed him about a king. 
You remember that? We want a king. We want a king. God said, you ain't supposed to have a king. I'm your king. He said, well, we want a king like the other nations. They got kings riding these fancy chariots and dress up and looks good. And he leads the people. We want a king. Canaanites got kings. We want a king. He said, I'm your king. But they went on and they went on and they went on and they went on. And what, finally, what God say? Okay. All right. You want a king? There's your king. Huh? So you don't want to just press and push. I mean, I've learned some of these things by experience. Until finally, after several mistakes, I got on the floor and said, Lord, I I don't want you to let me do stuff no more. (laughs) What do you want for me? (laughs) What do you want me to do? Let's talk about that. But 13,000. In the red with the IRS. And uh, penalties and interest is accruing. Whew. First order of business, we repented. God, we've been dumb. Have mercy on us. And so several months rocked by and nothing happened except penalty and interest. But I'm just saying, you've got to walk by faith. Just because it doesn't change by next week doesn't mean God didn't hear you. Right? Got to stay with it. We contacted people and did what we could. Of course, they don't want to hear about that. But I'm telling you, over the course of, it was a number of months. It was over a year, wasn't it? I was at a place, another place in ministering and we didn't talk to people about these things. And this minister was telling me about some uh, a situation of trouble with the IRS. And I just said, yeah, I know about that. <laughs> and didn't say much else. Well, a few days later, he stopped me outside a hotel lobby and he said, uh, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I've, I've gotten behind myself. He said, how much? I said, well, why do you need to know? He said, well, God's dealt with me to do something about it. He said, how much? I said, 13000 He didn't blink an eye. And over the course of the next few days, I got checks. Hallelujah. And I began to get check every month until all that was paid off. And that same week, some other people called and took care of another $5,000 debt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I said, yeah, but you know, you messed up and you were just dumb. Yeah, but God's merciful. I said, God's merciful. Hallelujah. Big thing is the devil will lie to you and do anything to keep you from believing and expecting. This is where your battle's at. This is where the enemy works. But if you'll fall on your face and ask God to forgive you and repent. Now, repent means to turn and change. Amen. A purpose in your heart. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to be different. And ask God to have mercy on you. He's a merciful God. And money like, you know, 13,000, 13 million is nothing to God. He, he's not begrudging you money. And he knows... Where to get it? 
He can get it to you without picking up the phone. He has contacts, I'm telling you. He has resources. Glory to God. Everybody say Jehovah Jireh. He pre, uh, you know, in the King James, sometimes you see the word prevent. We use it differently in our modern vocabulary, but it means to go before. He precedes, you might say. He precedes, he prepares, he provides. He sees beforehand and knows what's coming up. You see the word prepare and preparation in relative to what he does in several places. I'm going to read these to you. Don't try to turn to them. But the Hebrew and the Greek for prepare mean to arrange, to put in order. The English of that means to make ready beforehand, to work out the details in advance. God's not leaving things to chance. He's not being caught off guard and surprised by these things. He's worked out all the details in advance. He set it all in order. Amen. How many remember the 23rd Psalm? Thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. That's got to be down here in this life. Because they're not in heaven. What does God do? He prepares a table in front of me. So I can see it and get to it. In the presence of my enemies. And he anoints my head with oil. And my cup is nearly half full. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. My cup is right up to the brim. Well, don't, wouldn't God know when to quit pouring? Wouldn't God know when the cup was full and, and no need getting it all over the table and out on the floor? That's wasteful, don't you know? That's wasteful. I'm starting to meddle now. I better get back up here to my notes. Wouldn't God know that's wasteful? He must not care. I said, he must not care that it runs over the top and all over the table and off the floor and out the door. He must not care. Why? When you got as much as God's got, you don't care about spilling it over. Three or four kinds of fish would have been enough. (laughs) Two or three colors. Do you know that there are tons and tons and tons of bananas that fall off the trees in the jungle and rot? Too many of the monkeys can't eat them. (laughs) Don't God know that? Everybody say, my cup cup runneth runneth over. over. Hallelujah. Listen to these real quickly. Psalm 65, 9 says, you provide their grain because you have prepared it. Talking about his people. Psalm 68, 10 says, oh God, you have prepared of your goodness for the poor. That's great, isn't it? People that would think of themselves as poor and be in poor circumstances. God's prepared goodness for you. Amen. Amen. Psalm 132, 
15, 132.15, he says, God says, I will abundantly bless her provision. Talking about the people of God. Provision. Say, God's my provider. He sees before. He prepares beforehand. He provides abundantly. Hallelujah. Go with me to the book of John. The 14th chapter. Glory to God. The ram was on the way. While they were traveling up there and God was, Abraham was saying God will provide. What he was saying was coming to pass, though he didn't have any way of knowing it naturally. When you're confessing in faith, God will provide Things are working. Things are in motion. You don't know it. You can't see it. You don't know it with your mind. You can't see how. But it's working. Do you believe it? Yes. Well, it works for those that believe it. Yes. I know uh, the Lord said to me several years after I had gone to Raymond, was in the ministry, and continuing to help, and help Brother Hagin's ministry as we, we continue to do to this day, gladly. It's an honor and a privilege. And the Lord said to me, he said, when you, when Phyllis and you made the decision to obey me and answer the call and come to Ramah, I set things in motion for you then. If you be willing and obedient. Remember, he talked to Abraham, but he said, because you've obeyed me. So it's not just making confessions, but it's obeying and believing that God's going to provide for you as you obey him. You can't just be rebellious and disobedient and decide to run from God and do your own thing and it's all going to be okay and you're going to be wonderfully provided for anyway. It doesn't work like that. God's not obligated to support something that's not his plan and his way. But the Lord said to me when you and she made that decision, when you made the decision, we loaded up our little stuff. We looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. On our little pickup and little Vega car we had. Had to believe God to make it, you know, that we'd get to Oklahoma. And he said, when you made the decision to come, I set some things in motion. He said, some good things that if you follow me, continue to follow me, you will intersect them. You understand, if you're on one road, you go through certain towns and places. If you're on a different road, you don't go through those places. You go through different places. Maybe a place you get on the wrong road, you could go through some places you don't need to be. I know we were coming home from a meeting one time. Uh, we came through St. Louis and Phyllis was driving and I was asleep. It was where we first started. This was our very first meeting. Very first meeting out of Raymond that we did on our own. And I was just exhausted. And I lay down in the back of the seat and was sleeping. And I woke up to her half crying. And so I kind of raised up. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I'm lost. And she's really good with directions. And I guess maybe that's one reason she is now. Is because she didn't like that. But uh, I looked around. And we were in a really rough place. I said, I said, babe, don't stop. Just, just keep. <laughs> I just knew if she slowed down, we'd lose all her hubcaps. And 
I'm going to say you take a wrong turn. You go through some places that maybe you got no business being. And some things might happen that shouldn't have happened. Because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. But if you're on the road of obedience. Amen. On the path of obedience to the will of God. Then you're gonna, God's going to bring you through healingville. Hallelujah. God's going to bring you through peace town and prosperity city if you will stay on the road. Obedience the right way. He said, he said, you'll intersect these things. And we didn't know it, but the house that we're in now, it's a nice house, comfortable house, just suits us real well. Uh, six car garage, swimming pool, tennis court. Hallelujah. Nice. And uh, they started building that house the same, uh, I mean, virtually the same time we made the decision to come to Raymond. I didn't know it. We didn't know it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a whole testimony. I have time to go into it, but God put us in there. Yeah. Hallelujah. Wonderful. And God gave us a jet a couple of years ago. J-E-T, jet. We own it. It's paid for. Paid for. God gave it to us. And, you know, our ministry is not that huge in some ways. I mean, you know, to have this kind of equipment. I've had people, you know, concerned about me and say, oh, Brother Keith, you know, do you really want to do this? Hey, if God's big enough to give it to you, he's big enough to help you to keep it. And we have. It's just, I mean, I could tell you testimony after testimony. But here's part of it. Two years before it was given to us, it was painted in our ministry colors. Exactly. Same color blue. Same color gold. Hallelujah. Is God a foreknowing God? Is he a before seeing God? Is he a God of preparation and provision? Yes, he is. If you believe it, if you cooperate, go down the path he's chosen for you. He's got wonderful things set up for you. But you've got to stay on the road and go through them and, and meet them and intersect them. Now these things are great and they're good, but it's not the best. I'm about to tell you the best. Are you ready for the best? Hallelujah. John 14, are you there? I think some of you may know already what's about to happen here. You know, when you know your Bible better, then you, it gives you insight. You're ahead of the game. John 14, are you there? Yes. Tell me again, God, God is, my is my provider. He sees beforehand. He, sees beforehand. he, arranges, everything. he arranges everything, prepares, prepares and, provides and provides for me and mine. Me and mine. John 14, 1. 
Let not your heart be troubled. Did he say try not to? Hmm? Is it okay for you to be concerned and worried? And fearful and fretting and anxious about bills? Is it okay? Is it contrary to the word the Lord told us? Would it be not doing what he told us to do? Then it's not good. It's not okay. See, people make allowances for these things. They will say, well, hey, you know, I'm just human. I mean, I have bad days. Well, you got a bad confession already. It's one thing to say, I have had bad days. But when you say, I have bad days, you're prophesying. <laughs> it's not okay. We're supposed to not let our heart be troubled. That means we can control it. Even when we're all feeling flustered, we can stand up and say, no, no, in Jesus' name, I resist this fear. I resist this worry. I refuse to. God's been too good to me. He's come through for me too many times for me to doubt him now. I refuse to and begin to say, God will provide. Why should I be upset and worried if God's really taking care of this? If he really knew about it already, if he's already got everything worked out and pre-planned and fixed, amen, then why it's vain and unnecessary and a waste of energy and mental energy for me to fret about it when he's already got it figured out and got it worked out. All I got to do is just, just be cool and obey and I'll hook up with it. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many efficiencies. If it were not so, what did it say? I'm going to have to check my Bible again. If in my Father's house are many condos. <laughs> Many what? Mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus said if, if they weren't here, I'd have told you they weren't here. But I told you they're here. So what? They're there. How many understand heaven is just as real as San Francisco, Oakland, Chicago, New York, only lots nicer. It's, it's, it's a real place. It's real. And he said, uh, there are many mansions. And if it wasn't this way, I'd have told you. How many believe Jesus? Then they're there. He said, I'm going to what? You're not going to get there. And then I have to put you a pallet somewhere. Anybody know what a pallet is? You're not going to get there and they go, oh, where are we going to put them? You know, we got all these saints coming in. I mean, there's millions of them. You go stay over at so-and-so's place. Do we get something figured out for you? (laughs) Do we have a God who's ever caught off guard, ever behind, 
ever trying to catch up or are surprised by no 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 he knows the end from the beginning and he's always ready always prepared that's one reason he had to leave then he said I'm leaving now and I'm going to go prepare prepare a place for you Verse 3, and if I go and do what? Prepare a place for you, I will come again. He is coming again. And we're closer to it than anybody has ever been. It's close. I will come again. I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be. Also, hallelujah, in your place, prepared. Does he know how to prepare? How many believe when the Lord prepares, nothing is left off? Nothing is missed. Nothing escapes his watch. Nothing. His preparation is complete. I read some years ago about a, a doctor who fell off a balcony, hit his head on the sidewalk, and uh, they, they, you know, didn't find him for a little while, then they rushed him to the emergency room. He died. He was clinically dead. And he was dead for a while there in the, in the emergency room. And they finally got him back. And when he came to, as soon as he was able, he, he began to relate, relate to him that he had died and he left his body. He's a Christian and went to heaven. Now, there's a, a number of heaven stories around. Some of them I like, some of them I don't know about. I'm not saying they're wrong, but again, if it's not a scripture, did you hear me? Then don't put too much into it. Just know it could be or it might not be. You don't know. But don't base doctrines in your life on it. But in, in hearing and reading his testimony, I really had some things witnessed to him. He said he, he, he left his body and he went up and he went to heaven and he saw the master and he saw heaven. He said it was glorious and incredible. He said a lot of the things that he saw there were like things you'd see down here. That wouldn't be surprising because everything down here is patterned after things that were there before. And he, he said, but there were some things there he'd never seen. He said there were, there were animals there like he'd seen here, but there were some he had never seen before. And he said there were flowers and trees like you would see here, but there were flowers and trees like he'd never seen before. He talked about he was, the flowers and grass and stuff were so beautiful that he didn't want to step on it. But that he'd look behind him and everywhere he stepped it just spring like, like nothing had happened, you know. And that there was no shadow there was one thing because, you know, nothing cast a shadow. Well, the lamb is the light. God's the light. But one thing he, he said that I'm getting to, he said the Lord brought him over to an area. And showed him from this place of, of vision and perspective virtually a whole valley. And said, this is your abode. Your 
abode. He, he said he was amazed. It, I mean, he said he had real estate. I mean, <laughs> it's this vast expanse. And he said as he looked at everything, it was just exactly like what he liked. Now, I know that many have this idea when they read this verse, in my father's house are many mansions, they have this idea of this, this street and several white houses with columns in front. But that's not necessarily how it is. And after reading that, I went and looked up this word because he said the Lord used the word to him, your abode. Well, that is the Greek word here. We shouldn't be surprised. He knows. And this word abode literally means, just what the next verse said, a place. I mean, that's what he said. And I go to prepare what? A place. A place for you. Let me read some other definitions. The definition is from the word monet, uh, an abode, which means a residence, a, a place of staying. And the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says it conveys the idea of abundance of room and permanence of habitation. And from this word abode, we get our English word manor, which means a landed estate, a chateau. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, one phrase says country estate. Now I'm closing. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, as he looked over this thing. And saw all this and saw this land and, and all these buildings and all this stuff. He said the Lord looked at him and said, this is your abode. And he was just amazed thinking, this is exactly what I like. And he said, the Lord said, I know what each of my children like. And I custom build their abodes for them. Yeah. Hallelujah. Does that sound like Jesus? Does that sound like Jesus? I'm going to prepare a place, your own place, for you. And he knows exactly what you like, and he custom builds it for you. And that is just a continuation of what he's already begun to do. He's prepared for every day of your life, every year of your existence, every year in your family, every year in your business, every year in the church. He knew what was coming up. He saw it beforehand. He already knew exactly where the money was coming from, where the resources got it figured all out. Every detail worked out in advance. All he needs is for us to believe expect, call him our provider, and stay on this road of obedience. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.